the business plan was always threefold. One is tourism, two is education, and three is production. So we get tourists to come, local and foreign. We get schools and universities to come and we educate, and we produce herbs and herbal products. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. After all these men that I've had lately, it's time to have a female interview guest on my show. And she is originally from Holland, but like me, she has been living in Cyprus for many years. She's an entrepreneur and a herbalist, and she has created something that I hugely admire. It's a beautiful place called Cyherbia, and we're going to talk about this. It's a botanical park, and uh, for Cyprus, it's something quite unique. Let's say hello first. Welcome to Most Memorable Journeys, Miranda Tringis. Well, hello, Elizabeth. Uh, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. It's a great pleasure to have you, and I'm thankful that you took the time. Now, you are from Holland, and I don't really know that many people from Holland uh, in Cyprus. How did you get to Cyprus? I think in the 80s, uh, my story uh, was not an uncommon one. Uh, I came, on, uh, came to Cyprus on a holiday. At the moment, I was coming down the steps of the airplane, and the warm air was hitting my face. I had this overwhelming sense of coming home. And initially, I brushed that aside and I thought, oh, come on, you've never been here before. It just felt so real. It just felt so, I felt it so deeply in my core. I could not really shake the feeling. A couple of days later, during my holiday, I met a man who has now been my husband for 30 years. So, And our journey together started on that holiday. Wow, that's what how amazing. Yeah. So did you travel before? I mean, coming to Cyprus was just a normal holiday, wasn't it? It wasn't something that you hadn't planned to stay. No, of course not. I hadn't planned to stay. I I was quite happy in uh, in Holland. I I never uh, saw myself as a person that would uh, change countries and, and and start a new life somewhere else. That was never something that I considered. It just did happened. You, did you travel as a child? Did you travel with your parents? No, not a lot um, because I'm not from a wealthy family. So I started traveling at the age of 16 when I started making my own money. And then most of my savings would go to travel. I went on a plane the first time when I was 16 and I went to London from Switzerland. And it for me, it was the most amazing experience. Yeah. <laughs> so, when we look at our kids and how they travel, I mean, I don't know how old, you've got two daughters, don't you? Yes, uh, they've traveled a lot more than I ever uh, traveled at their age. But then again, the world has changed so much because you remember how expensive travel used to be. Now taking an airplane is like taking a train. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, sometimes the train is more expensive than the aeroplane. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Especially in <laughs> Switzerland. Yeah. So you came to Cyprus, you were a young woman, and did you have anything to do with herbs? Did, were you always interested in that? Or oh, when no. no, my journey with herbs started many, many years after that. I was well into my 30s when I started exploring the world of herbs. And that was due to sheer necessity, because by that time I had uh, one child and she was frequently ill with respiratory infections. 
by the age of four, she was already immune to several families of antibiotics because every time I took her to the doctor, a new antibiotic was prescribed. So by, by the age of four, she had no immune system left. And that's when I decided, look, this, is, this cannot go on any longer. Um, forget about uh, these kind of uh, methods. I'm going to look into alternative therapies. And uh, mind you, this was before the internet. You know, so my, um, uh, my research led me to books and more books and more books. And I discovered that the simplest and most common of herbs are exactly the kind that we have growing in our backyard, like mint, oregano, thyme, rosemary, sage. The most common ones, they are the, also the most effective for these kinds of uh, issues. And so I started making teas from these herbs, uh, offering it to, the, uh, to our daughter with uh, local honey. And I saw that we could stop an infection in its tracks before it became an infection. So it was a cold, started with a cough or a runny nose. So at the onset, I would just give her tea uh, all day long, as many as she would have. And thankfully, she, uh, she took very well to teas. She liked them. And that way, we could just stop the uh, infection from occurring. It would just stay at a runny nose or a bit of a raspy throat, and she'd get over it. So that uh, really encouraged me and led to, that led to more study and more research. And I started incorporating herbs in our everyday diet, in our food, in whatever we were consuming. Now, with that result in mind, that got me going to further study. And I became so enthusiastic that uh, I wanted to uh, make a career out of that. Now, my husband, being uh, of an entrepreneurial spirit, he said, look, you're good with herbs. Why don't we ensure that this knowledge, which is ancient knowledge, I mean, in Cyprus especially and all over the Mediterranean, everybody over the age of 70 has some knowledge of herbs. Yeah, because the previous generations, this is how they would mm -hmm. heal themselves. So there is a vast herbal tradition in the Mediterranean region, in Greece, in Cyprus, Israel. And this knowledge has uh, almost become lost because our generation and the one before that, with the Industrial Revolution and with the coming of um, different kinds of medicines, modern medicines, they discarded the old methods of uh, herbs and nutrition for health, became more dependent on the magic pill that would make things better. Absolutely, yeah. So we said we must preserve this ancient knowledge and we must introduce this to our generation and to the next and make sure it doesn't get lost, uh, to lead people back to nature for their healing. And so the idea of a botanical park was born. Okay. A place where people could come spend the day in nature and learn about the plants that grow here in abundance all over the island uh, to get to know them uh, up close and personal, to smell, to taste, to learn what they're good for, how they can uh, help people's health. And that's how the, um, the idea was born. Now, in order for us to make that a success, we said we should combine the knowledge of the herbs with fun and entertainment make it educational but fun, and uh, provide uh, a lovely experience so that people could just see it as a day out, but they could also learn something. Because when you make learning fun, then that's when I think people retain information better. 
children can grow up with um, uh, learning by play, learning by discovery. And when you incorporate all the senses, you know, the the look of things, the smell, the taste and everything that is, it makes an immersive experience. And so we said, okay, let's do this. Now, neither of us had any experience in agriculture. Uh, when I grew up, my dad had his own vegetable garden and I had a little patch of veggies that I cultivated myself, one meter by one meter. I was eight years old and my dad gave me and my sisters each a little plot of one by one to cultivate our veggies. So that was my experience. I mean, I would pick beans in the summer with him and I would have my own lettuces and radishes and uh, stuff like that. And yeah, every uh, lunchtime when I would come back from school, I would pick a few leaves of lettuce to put on my sandwich and all that. So I did like pottering around in the garden, but it's quite a different matter when you attempt to cultivate 32,000 square meters of land, a piece of land that was uh, full of rocks and thistles and, and other uh, uh, difficult things that had to be cleared out of the way and then, you know, learn how to do this. And turn it into a business. I want, to interrupt. Business. I want to interrupt here for a minute because I want to ask you, when you were telling this to your friends, what did people say? How did people react? <laughs> well, I didn't tell a lot of people. I told my family. Everybody thought that we would start raving mad. Uh-huh. I was just, I was thinking that. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Friends also, uh, they could not see it. Actually, hardly anybody could see it. And truth be told, I myself was very daunted and overwhelmed by the idea of doing something so big and so difficult. Because, mind you, in Cyprus, with the heat that we have, to start digging in the soil and try to make things grow in periods of drought, in periods of, uh, of, of hardship and all of that. It was not just a daunting task, but when once we got to it, it was just never ending. Like in the winter. Mm-hmm, because the I was going to say before, it's easier to plant beans in Holland than it is in Cyprus. It's extremely difficult. <laughs> the good thing about Cyprus is that climate... Uh, hard as it is for us to work in this climate, climate is ideal to grow medicinal herbs because it is the very heat and the soil conditions that make the herbs of Cyprus of such a high quality. The essential oils in the plants are of such a high quality and high quantity that our oils are very, very strong. This is why when you smell Uh, A plant of oregano here in Cyprus, it smells really, really beautiful and rich. And if you would cultivate the same in your country, in Switzerland, it would hardly have a smell. In Holland, it smells like nothing, just paper. Yeah. You know, my sister has a a couple of um, plants in her, on her windowsill in the kitchen as a a little kitchen garden. It smells like nothing. (laughs) And is it, is it basically, is it the South? Is it the the sun in the South or, or, or is there a special climate here in Cyprus? There's a special climate inside, not just in Cyprus. Uh, Crete is also ideal for growing herbs, but this region, the Eastern Mediterranean, yes, is ideal for growing herbs. So that's what, uh, what we started to do. Many, uh, times during that process of creation, I wanted to throw in the towel. It was just so hard. 
there was obstacle upon obstacle. Everything was just so difficult. Even to get electricity took like four years to just get electricity. Things that we normally take for granted, they seem to have an extra um, difficulty factor here. In the end, it took eight years for the park to be created. Now, mind you, every single tree and every single shrub and every plant was planted the same year. So, um, And because the park consists not just of a herb garden, herbs grow very fast. Within a year, you've got a nice garden. But we also planted a big maize, a hedge maize, and that took eight years for it to grow tall and thick because every 40 centimeters there was one little plant that uh, comprises the maize was only like 25 centimeters tall so they were tiny when we planted them yeah, so that I mean that maize tall. I've been in that maize and that is an impressive thing because the maize is actually in the shape of of the island of the No of, not the maize the the um, uh, the maize is circular the base is circular, uh, right? But what's in the part in the shape of Cyprus? It, uh, we planted a woodland area in the shape of uh, Cyprus. The outline of Cyprus is formed by hundreds of cypress trees. Those are the tall, thin, dark uh, green trees, evergreen. And they form the outline of Cyprus with a path. So you can literally walk around Cyprus in uh, 15 minutes and... In each region, you will see the plants grown that you would find in that area of the island. Because there are certain plants that only grow in the Famagusta region. There are other plants that you find more in the Paphos region. The only region we could not mimic was the Trudos mountain range because of the... The elevation. Elevation, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But when you look from above, you can see the, 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 the shape of the island. Yes. Now it takes a drone to see that. Because, well, you need to go about 90 meters high yeah. to, to see all of it. But yes, so uh, walking around Cyprus, you can learn uh, about the, the trees and the shrubs. And also around the path, we have placed uh, signs saying, now you're in Limassol, now you're in Paphos. And then it also shows the main site of cultural heritage that can be found there. So first time visitors to the island can actually see what else they could see on the island that is worth visiting. So for Paphos, that would be the Tombs of the Kings. Uh, for Limassol, the Curium Amphitheater. For the Famagusta region, uh, the Apostolos Andreas Monastery. For Carinia, Bellapais Abbey, uh, and so on. That's amazing. So, so it's a little information office at the same time. Yes, yes. Every year we add a new feature to the park. I want to come back to something else before we talk about uh, how the park runs. And you were mentioning that your daughter was allergic to all these antibiotics. And I experienced the same thing. I have two children. They grew up here. You know, as soon as I went to the pediatrician, as soon as they had a runny nose or whatever, we got antibiotics. And I didn't like that either. And I, I chose homeopathy. But why do people not use herbs? So why did people stop using herbs? Is it fear? Is it fear of being responsible yourself? Or is it easier to pass on the responsibility to a pill or to a pediatrician? What do you think is it? People embraced the new ways of, of living. They discarded the old ways of living. The old ways were to go out for yourselves into the forests, into the fields, and gather medicinal herbs and also edible greens. I don't know if you've ever seen the older generation gather um, marshmallows and other, not marshmallow, 
the sweets, of course, but the plants, marshmallow yeah. leaves and uh, white mustard, you know, with the yellow flowers. This is the time of year that these start to grow. Wild asparagus, obviously, mushrooms. The older generation were always gathering these things in season. People were eating everything in season. In the wintertime, you couldn't get tomatoes and cucumbers. Because that was all seasonal. In modern day life, we have everything at every moment uh, in time uh, done away with uh, seasonal eating. So that is one aspect of it. Another aspect is that it's so much easier to just ask for a pill and yes, to give the responsibility to somebody else. Also, uh, in Cyprus, there's this prevalent attitude of uh, doctors being demigods. (laughs) like whatever the doctor says goes now of course i have the utmost respect for the profession of uh, of doctors but uh, there's a lot more to health than um take this pill for that ailment you know um, a healthy lifestyle will ensure that we don't get ill yeah i mean it's about prevention isn't it it's 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 about yes it's lifestyle prevention and all of that this generation now they don't even know the herbs that grow across the across the street or or in the park or uh, in the nearest field. Whereas um, two generations back, everybody knew these and everybody used these. Only 100 years back, heart disease was virtually unknown on the island. Issues like high cholesterol, like high blood pressure, diabetes, they were absent because people were far more active. They ate in season. They ate simple. They didn't eat meat every day. If they ate meat, it was like once a week if they were wealthy. If they were not, it must have been like once a month. All of these issues have contributed to the lifestyle that we now know. If you like what you hear and want to know more, check out my Soul Guru Lifestyle program on my website, www.thesoulguru.com. Sorry, forget this. Yeah, and of course, all all the fast food chains don't help. No, there's, yeah, there's that as well. There is that as well. Because for me, food is something that is alive. And if you want to get nutritional value, if you want to feed your body with something that is good for it, then your food has to be alive, which means not out of a packet, not out of a tin, uh, not processed. We're lucky in Cyprus that we have access to fresh fruit and vegetables all year round, locally produced. Uh, I always try to eat local as much as possible. Of course, the fruit here is absolutely divine. This is something, even though I've been here for over 30 years, when I see an orange tree or a mandarin tree or lemons, they, I just, my heart sings with delight just seeing these orange jewels hanging from a tree and I think how lucky am I to live in this place mm-hmm. that I can just stop the car and I can just pick an orange off a tree I mean how how awesome is that I uh, agree it, it makes me smile as well uh, you know we have there is not get old yeah. this is this is amazing so then the park opened you do have tour groups coming by as well don't you yes the business plan was always threefold one is tourism Two is education and three is production. So we get tourists to come, local and foreign. We get schools and universities to come and we educate and we produce herbs and herbal products. So those are three pillars upon which the business has been built. This means that even in the low season when there's no tourists, we can still survive because we have the other two pillars. We do produce our own things. 
We get schools visiting. Okay, now with COVID, that hasn't happened mm. for the past two years. But that is, of course, that's, um, you know, neither here nor there. That's how we wanted it from the beginning. And that's what we had in mind from the beginning. So, yeah, tourism, of course, tourism is, a, is an enormous a source of uh, income for the entire island. And uh, we believe that with the creation of the park, we really contributed to the, the tourism product in Cyprus and especially in our region because we are in the Famagusta region between Larnaca and Ayanapa and there aren't a lot of places for visitors to go and see. You know, Ayanapa, okay, the best beaches, Ayanapa brought us, but beyond the beach, where do you go? There's not a lot of places for a tourist to go. So we are only 20 minutes away from Ayanapa and uh, yeah, many tourists come and learn about um, the nature of Cyprus and about its healing herbs. It's quite amazing because, as you say, in your area, there is not much archaeological to visit. So it's a beautiful day out to visit Cyherbia. Especially one my favorite part in Cyherbia is are the lavender fields. When is lavender season? Lavender season is June and July. And every June we host our lavender festival. This year it will be, I think... Uh, it will be the 10th Lavender Festival. And also we will celebrate 10 years uh, of our business, the 10-year anniversary. It's a pivotal year for us. It's a year that we are um, rebranding and uh, renovating and uh, making everything new and upgrading the entire thing. Because mind you, when we started out as a business, on a budget, obviously, we had to work within that budget and I could not really create it the way I wanted to create it. Buildings and, and, and other features in the, in the park uh, that are not nothing to do with the plants. Now that it's our 10-year anniversary, it is time for a general upgrade and that's what we're working very hard on right now. Yeah, and we are looking forward to seeing what will be changed. Now, coming a little back a little bit to my most memorable journey um, podcast, do you get to travel or do you only work? Do you go away? Do you manage to get away once in a while? Of course, I find travel extremely crucial to um, my creativity. I get ins inspiration from uh, my travels. Like, um, you know what? Because we're on an island, much how, no matter how beautiful this island is, you're on an island. You've got we to get, to get off away. Somehow to expand your horizons, to get new impressions, to get uh, inspired by things that you see on your travels. And yes, travel is, uh, is, is a big thing for me. It's something I love doing and I do get a lot of inspiration from my travels. What is your favorite place? Oh, my favorite place is in Greece and not, not too far away, but it's the river that leads to Hades. The Acheron River, the Styx River, where Charon used to take the souls of the dead to the underworld. When you read the mythology, then you think, oh, that must be a really dark place. It is the, I've never seen more life than in that river. It has four springs that just gush water eternally. Nobody knows where they come from, where they start. It's the purest water. You can drink it. And the river can just take you for uh, quite a few kilometers and you wade through. It's not, a, it's not very deep. In certain places you have to swim, but you swim upstream. So you've got to be a strong swimmer. But uh, the wildlife I saw there was just amazing. The nature, amazing. 
so many butterflies, so many um, birds as well. I even found a little um, uh, water snake that I played with. I made friends with. For me, it was a magical, magical experience. Now, when I was listening to you, I was, you know, hoping that you would say something like that because I want to also talk about the fairies and the witch's cottage because you are the witch, aren't you? I forgot to say at the beginning when I introduced you, we both went to a TV um, show here in Cyprus and we were the only foreigners who actually had the courage to go and speak Greek in a TV show and you were dressed up as a witch if I remember well. Yes, because it was a special Halloween edition. The producer of the show is a good friend of mine from Rick because I'm a regular guest on the morning shows at um, at Rick where I have um, a herb slot. I talk for 20 minutes about a certain herb or a certain uh, health condition that we can heal with herbs. He remembered, this producer ha- uh, remembered the time that I was there. It was in October around Halloween time. And I was uh, talking about the benefits of pumpkin and what you could do with pumpkins and all of that. And so he said, well, since Halloween in Cyprus is associated with you alone, how about you get a team together of eight people and uh, join this uh, show, The Weakest Link? So, of course, I never turned down a challenge. Uh, like you. <laughs> We're very similar there. Yeah, yeah. you got it. Uh, I'm on it. And uh, yeah, I got another seven friends interested to do this uh, special Halloween edition uh, for uh, The Weakest Link. And we had a blast. That's amazing. But coming back to the fairy, to the fairy village and to, do they come to life in the night, the fairies in uh, Cyherbia? Do you think that they are walking around? Of course they are. And uh, you just have to have the eyes to see them. Yes, yes, I Uh, agree. There is a way that you can and that you can learn and cultivate this site. The place that we've created, the fairy village, um, is an area in the park that I just really felt presence. And that I said, we have to do it here. So we started making little houses out of tree trunks. I collected, well, mainly from the Netherlands and from other travels, uh, ornaments to put there for uh, young and old to walk around the fairy village to see how fairies live, what they do, and to open the eyes of their imagination. Because when you stand still and you see these scenes unfold, because every house tells a little story, and it's up to you how to fill in the details of the story when you when you look at them. Now, children, with their their fresh take on things, their fresh look at things, uh, will find it very, very easy to enter that world of fantasy. The world of fantasy and the imagine our own imagination, our imagination is our superpower. Actually, this is my mantra. My imagination is my superpower. When you open the imagination to such an extent that you can see between the worlds, then yes, you can see ethereal beings. I've seen them in other countries as well, in ancient forests especially. But uh, the, the purpose of making a fairy village in our place was really to, to open the imagination of visitors so that they can be open to new impressions, either from nature, because nature itself is magical. There is magic everywhere in nature. When you stimulate the imagination, especially of a child, that's where a lot of things will start to happen, because then you can visualize 
what it is you want to become, what it is you want out of your life. There is a, a fairy wish box. So young and old can write a wish and deposit it in the fairy wish box. That is actually, that is a manifesting method. If anybody who's listening does manifestation and uh, is into this um, uh, this kind of um, self-development, yeah, this is a way to do it. And this is a way to introduce children to that as well. Mm-hmm. So yes, the fairies are there. The and, witch, and- of course, is also there. <laughs> the witch is the, but and I mean you you mentioned now you mentioned imagination a few times and I think Cyherbia and what you did when you have imagination you know that really understand that anything is possible you just need to have the imagination to do it and you did that with Cyherbia with the part it's not just that we need to dream big oh yes the bigger your dream the better when you dream small your result will be small when you mm-hmm. dare to dream big. You can do big things. One person can make an enormous impact. I never, never could have imagined the impact that this creation at this park would have on other people's lives. I have seen people's lives being touched by the things that they've learned, the things that they've encountered in the park. One particular uh, young lady comes to mind, a Russian young girl from the age of eight came to visit the park a couple of times a year. Her family had a holiday home near Ayanapa. And this child had an affinity for um, uh, for the lizards. There's lots and lots of lizards in the park. And she would catch them with her hands like that and put them in a box and then just study them. And so this young girl came to me with um, a box and it, there was about four or five lizards in them, small and some bigger ones as well. Now, they're the hardest creatures to catch. They're so fast. But she was a master at it. And so I said to her, look, uh, if you turn it over and then you touch the belly and then you see that the skin is so much softer there, that's where the vulnerable part of the of the lizard is. And I started talking about the lizard from its anatomy to its needs and to how it needs to warm itself in the sun. So it's solar powered. And this child's eyes lit up and she said, I want to study everything about lizards and snakes and everything with herpetology. This child is now 17, still comes back to the park, has done several courses already in Russia where they take kids on orienteering in the woods and and she handled snakes and she handled all kinds of creatures. And she uh, is enrolling um, to become a biologist and she wants to um, specialize in herpetology. So I do have contributed in such a small way to her dream. And that fills me with joy. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, so beautiful. And then I have many other stories about people who, whose health has been improved with the herbs that we grow there. Even, even, uh, even I myself was astonished at one incident, a lady from Switzerland who came to me, this was like four or five years ago, no, six years ago. She came to me in tears. She was extremely emotional. She said, I've just finished my uh, fourth IVF attempt and it failed again, and my body is full of hormones, and I'm just at the end of myself. I want a baby so badly, but I'm just so, so unhappy. And she put on weight, and she was she was really, really unhealthy. And, of course, I was daunted by the, this this whole prospect of, of, of her um, grasping at me. I was her last straw. And I said, look, let's try this. I know it can work, but you, you've got to follow the protocol. 
I said to her, as as we talked, we'd, we'd had an intake uh, talk that takes about an hour. And I said to her, okay, take Vitex Agnus Castus, which is a plant that grows in, in Cyprus quite a lot. Take the extract of this twice a day. Start eating this. Start Stop eating that. Stop whatever medication you're on. It was medically okay to stop those medications. Yeah. yeah? So I wasn't interfering in a, yeah. a doctor's procedure. A doctor had finished the procedure, got nowhere. And I said, quit your job, take a month holiday, and then find a new job. And she did everything to the letter. Lo and behold, eight months later, she was pregnant. I, I myself, I was astonished at this result in such a short time. Eight months is not a long time. She had to wean off of all the hormones first. I'm not saying that with every woman we would have the same result, but with her, it just worked. And she's got two children now the natural way. That's very beautiful. And this is um, because I, the time has passed very fast. I want to pick your brain a little bit about what should we use if we want to become a little bit more herbal? Like, let's let's say we want to use two or three different kinds of herbs in our daily life. What would be the basic that you would recommend that are good for us? Right. First, I would say, since we are in Cyprus, and even a person who lives in an apartment can have a little balcony garden. So they can have one oregano plant, one thyme, and one mint. That's a very good place to start. Then you start picking those herbs fresh and incorporating them in your daily diet, in your food. The herbs we always add at the last minute, five minutes before serving the food. We add, we add the herbs so they don't lose the flavor and their potency. You'll see that your meals will be transformed just by the addition of one or two fresh herbs. Experiment. Uh, read recipes online. Use them in your food. Also, replace one of your coffee breaks with a herbal tea break to start with. Uh, I myself, I like I like coffee. In the morning, I always have a coffee. But after that, I will drink herbal tea. Now, in the wintertime, I will drink warming teas like ginger, cinnamon and uh, star anise, uh, things that warm us that are also very, very good for the throat. In the summertime, I will still have tea. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, summer, how can you drink tea? You drink them cold. You make them iced. Mint is the most cooling of all herbs. It really cools down body. Lavender as well. They combine very well together. Mint and lavender together. They will calm you. They're extremely good for the stomach, for the digestion, and they will lower your your temperature, you will not feel so hot and flustered and bothered. Uh, lemon verbena is another top herb for Cyprus. The, the aroma is more lemony than lemon. Uh, it's great for an upset stomach, great for the metabolism. Also, it may help you lose the extra pounds if you drink it every day and uh, also eat healthy because it boosts the metabolism. So a quicker metabolism means you get rid of toxins and uh, quicker. So those are herbs that are easy to just incorporate in your everyday routine. You have to make it a habit. Tea time for me in the afternoon is something that I make like a bit of a ritual. I collect tea sets, teapots, so I, I make something nice of it. Even if I'm sitting on my own, I'll have a nice teapot and a nice teacup. Throw away your chipped cups. You're worth more than that. Get your nice cups out. Get your Sunday cups out, the ones that you use when you've got guests. Make it make it something uh, enjoyable, and have a little sweet or something with it if you're if you're that way inclined. But I will have like 
almost a liter of tea in the afternoon every day. And uh, that's that's a good habit to have. It's about celebrating life, isn't it? I think that's what we don't do enough. We don't live in the now enough. And the way you described your tea habit in the afternoon is just beautiful because, um, you know, it's like taking the time to smell the flowers. You should also take the time to drink your tea. Exactly. Exactly. And in the evening as well, when the family is gathered, pot of tea on the table with a candle underneath one of those um, little shows so that the tea stays warm. Everybody will get a cup. When they see the teapot there on the table, they will they will have some. Just mm. uh, make it make it a habit. Make it a habit. Experiment with flavors. Beautiful. It's all about habits. Where can we find you? Do you have a website? How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, certainly. Our website is cyherbia.com. Uh, now you can contact us on Facebook as well, slash Cyherbia, on Instagram at Cyherbia. We have lots of informative articles on the website. So the website is well worth a look. There's an e-shop as well. Now in the winter that we're closed for the renovation, uh, the e-shop, of course, is uh, always available. So you can find products there and you can drop me query or a line if you have um, any kind of questions or if you need uh, advice. I am a qualified herbalist, so I can help people find their way back to health with the use of herbs. Wonderful. And of course, we expect everybody to come once we open in the springtime when we're renewed and up and running and uh, the herbs start to smell really, really nice again. We welcome everybody to come and spend the day in the park, get that breath of fresh air and that smell of, uh, of flowers and of plants and just spend a fantastic day in nature. There'll be festivals coming up. There'll be the um, egg hunt in the maze where thousands and thousands of eggs will be hidden in the maze for children to find. Then there'll be the lavender festival in June. In the autumn, we do Halloween. And in between, we do all kinds of workshops and uh, lectures and uh, interactive experiences. So stay up to date via the website. People can uh, sign up for our newsletter so as not to miss any event or uh, any special promotion. That's fantastic. So even for somebody who is listening to us from abroad, just to visit Cyherbia is worth visiting Cyprus. And all the information that uh, Miranda mentioned will be in the show notes, so it can be found there. And I think this is it. We have come to the end. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, Miranda, for spending time with me and being on most memorable journeys. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. It was so much fun talking to you. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.